0: So when Michael asked me two weeks ago um, to preach, um, so I am Michael's wife, as you probably know by now, the senior pastor, and um, this church was started, wow, almost 30 years ago, and there were two couples, and the husbands and wives would preach, would just take turns. So we would do this a lot, but things change over time. And so I know we haven't had as many women preachers, thank God we have women worship leaders, but I wanna say one thing that, God told me right away when I began to talk to him about it. He reminded me, of course, about Eve. Yeah, Eve, she's the one that the enemy, the, enemy, the devil, came to first and said, hey, I have a plan. Let's make an alliance and let's, um, and why don't you just eat from that tree? And she said, yes. She said, yes. So scripture talks about this. But a few weeks ago, Michael was preaching about encountering God, and this is why we're at church, not to hear words from people and think this is good worship, not good worship. We're here to encounter God. So I am here to tell you, I hope I don't distract you, but hopefully you're looking at the rock Jesus following us around, because Mary, if you look at the new covenant, she was the first one to encounter the living God. In the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The New Testament, God chose to use a woman. And he actually, in the flesh, templed himself in her, in her womb. So praise God. I want to leave you with that. Let's go ahead and pray before we get started, okay? Jesus, we're here because you were here. And you were here You were the lamb that was slain before the beginning of time. You were here before we showed up, and you're taking us to be where you've always been, with your Father and the Holy Spirit. So we're so thankful to have this short life that we all have and enjoy. We just want to enjoy you today. This is your dwelling place. This house is your house. It's a miracle house. So it's yours. It's yours. Would you just clear our minds right now and help us hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to try to turn on the light. I heard it doesn't work. I'm going to try one more time. I'm going to try to move this. Okay. It's all right. Well, otherwise, I brought my glasses. Okay? Great. Great. So let me just tell you a story of Freddie. This is one of the he is a friend in one of the stores nearby our our church. So Freddie, I've known him a couple of times, and I saw him a couple of weeks ago. And Freddie, as we were talking about our class Unchanging Foundations, this is a class Michael's been teaching now for a few um, yeah for wow a few months. And Freddie, as we were talking about this going from pre-modernism all the way to technology and how now meaning is being given to us and we're being defined and, you know, by what we can do with our bodies and our, who we think we are and our psychology. So Freddie came over to me and he's like, wow, let me tell you something. He said, I tried those virtual reality things. They're so good now. You've seen them. You put those black things on you. He said, I was with a bunch of friends and... Um, we, we were going to have dinner, and they let me use it. He says, it was a cave in China or Japan. It was like being in a museum, but you were there. You were in the cave. And I was walking all around, and I could see these drawings that you can't touch, but you can't touch in the cave either. So he was having this virtual reality experience that was very profound for him. Now, Michael's been talking about fallen desires, And so it was caught my attention when he, what he said next, this was a man that was in a church, not far from here, down the 210 freeway that's closed down thousands of people. COVID wiped it out. They're gone. He doesn't have a church right now. I've given his name to a brother here, uh, but he's like, Hey, I kind of don't need the church. I'm really having a deep relationship with God now. And I do believe we do have deep relationships with God without being around each other. But what was interesting that caught my attention is he said this, what scared me is that when I went to dinner, I couldn't wait to get back to the virtual reality. I didn't really want the relationships anymore, that it was taking away my desire for the normal things in life, because we kind of like to be with one another. And then if we do something wrong, we talk about it, and then we go deeper with one another. He said, I didn't want any more of it, but I saw it. And hopefully he listened to that, to that warning. Um, so I want to just say to us, how good are we at looking at our desires? Are we good at that? Because we can, you know. We can actually pay attention to what's increasing my desire for God or decreasing it. And so Unchanging Foundations is helpful because what it says is this. It says... Um, Culture has been moving since way pre-Reformation time when God was in everything. Like these big buildings were made because people saw God in it. And the windows were big because they were like, there's a great God. But we moved to a place where culture kept kicking out God, kicked him out of science. That was hard for me. I studied physics. I felt the pain of it. I was embarrassed to be a Christian. But inside, God was teaching me a lot. And now... On the other side of it, I love to say it, 28 space-time theorems show there is a transcendent causal agent. There is somebody outside that was there, the Bible said, before the beginning of time, which is what the universe started in time. That's when time started. Boom, it started with the word of God. Um, And so we are having God pushed out, and we're at a really dangerous place right now. He's being pushed out of our desires, being pushed out of our children's desires. I like the way Sanjeev said it once, we're on a dopamine rush all the time. Bing, bing, dopamine rush. How do you see your desires? How do you help your child see their true desire? God, for God, and even for what they want to do in life, it's very difficult. So um, I just want us to contemplate this because this morning I asked God for a word because we hear the voice of God. We all do, but we are honing in on it. And the Lord spoke to me, Psalm 132. Amazing. Before we get into it, I'm going to tell you, God flips the whole thing around, and you're going to hear God talk about his desire. So we're going to look at Psalm 132. First, we hear David's desire and his will. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Like that song. It's in his will. Teresa de Avila talks about that. The will is a place where we get sparked for God, we hear something, we get sparked, we put it in our will. The second part, we're going to see that it turns to the voice of God. So pay attention to it as we read um, for that. So let me just go ahead. And, oh, my junior high, high school adult. Okay. Little little show, t- show and tell. Okay. So this idea comes from Hugh Ross. Please read him. He's an astrophysicist. He became a Christian because of the stars, and this is his idea. But I've kind of put it not on paper um, up on there, but here. So I just want you to know that um, God is infinite. Like He fills every dimension. The Bible says He fills all in all. So you and me, we we'll live in four dimensions: like three this way, that way, up and down, and time. Four. God is in millions of dimensions. I don't know how many. The M theory says about 11, but there's millions of dimensions, and he's outside of them all. So when we say the word God, sometimes we take in our four dimensions, and we make God like two dimensions. We're like, God, we talk to him, but we don't really pay attention. We think he doesn't talk to us. But actually, let's flip it around. Because usually you can't see bigger dimensions unless you imagine yourself down lower. So imagine that you and I are on this flat two dimension, okay? Not four, we're down to two. And this can work for time too. Now, I want to imagine God who is beyond this. Let's get my little trick. Here I am in my four dimensions, this three. When God gets involved in our life, so imagine each of these are your lives all stacked up. They're all stacked up. All of you together, here you are in the room, stacked up. When God gets involved and we pray and we say, God, we want you to be here, look what God does. He does that. Every life is touched. Every life is touched. But we don't know sometimes what God is doing in other lives, do we? I can see what's happening in my life. Unless you tell me, this is what God is doing. We heard a great miracle. We've been praying in daily prayer. Wow, this is is daily prayer for me. This is daily prayer. But you know what's great in daily prayer? We talk about it. We know about somebody in Florida, thank you, um, who most the whole neighborhood was devastated. But we were praying for her brother. Do you know what? If I get it right, and correct me if you want to here, I think only the porch was gone. That's amazing. The whole neighborhood was gone. So um, we have a God like that. So let's go ahead now and go to Psalm 132. And... Um, There's only, yeah. And let's read it together, okay? Verse one. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. And here's his desire, until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah, says David talking. We found it in the fields of the woods. Let us go. Let us go into his tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O God. We heard that. Oh, man, thank God for Shannon. She has been singing that for so many years. Arise, O God, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For your servant David's sake, do not turn away the face of your anointed. And I'm going to stop here. So this is David talking. And we hear the desire of his heart. He wants the dwelling place of God. But when it comes down to it, he's actually asking God to do something for him, the anointed. He's the anointed. David has a passionate, passionate desire. He's willing to give up whatever it takes. You know, he had a nice house. He was a king. He's like, I don't want to go into my bed. I don't want to go into my bed. I want God. I'm going to do whatever it takes. He could find the desire. He could locate it. And he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. And he knew something about God. This is in different places. He knew God was watching him. He knew. He's like, God sees me when I do this. He knew God moved for him. He, God does that for all of us. God's doing it for you right now. You want God, God will be there. Um, and so I want to mention to you this idea of dwelling place. Um, the, he, there are many, there's like, Four different words for God's resting place. But one of them, listen to this, is be still. God came to be still. You know, when Michael is talking sometimes about hearing from God, he tells us we have to be still to hear him because God is still. God is in a deep place and he is still. So just look with me um, at verse, um, oh, and let me just mention my friend Freddie. So, if Freddie can find that desire, we can too. It's there somewhere. Look at verse 6. Behold, we heard about it in Ephrathah. We found it in the field of Ja'ar. Wow, doesn't it sound like a treasure hunt? I love treasure hunts. We, behold, we heard about it in Ephrathah. By the way, Ephrathah is the old name for Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. We found it in the field of Ja'ar. Have you ever had that chance to do a treasure hunt? Have you ever had a chance where, like, you have a field, you know, the parable? You have a field, and if you sell it, you get the treasure inside of it. You get the pearl, you get the treasure. Yeah, some of us have. I did. So one of the reasons that I believe I'm here today is, thank God, in college, You know, college is a time where people think you're going to get married. You're setting up your life. You're making your connections. And a rabbi, who was a Christian as well, came. Only five of us or six of us were there. Thank you, I was there. And he said to us, knowing Jesus is a full-time occupation, do not plan to be in any relationship with a significant other through college. And I said, yes, that's great. I can get to know Jesus. That was one of the most healing times of my life. I honestly feel like if I had gotten married back then, I would have chosen the wrong person. So it's a treasure hunt. But do you know what? When I came down here to Southern California and I shared that God had um, spoken to me to come be part of a church plant, and it ended up eventually being this one, and I met Michael. I was just one of many that I met Michael. Um, but before I met him, people kept trying to get me to join this church. They're all come, meet this man from Fuller. He had an accident. God healed him. He can see better. Oh, amazing thing um, is that there was only one chance I had to see him because I said no to all the other things because I wanted God. I wanted God. I didn't want the words. I didn't want the nice church. I didn't want all the nice people. I wanted God first. Then God could bring the people around me. And so um, I, one day, oh, he was supposed to come and preach. And that was the only time he's never come to preach. when he was supposed to meet me. Or meet me, just this group, not meet me. And so on Valentine's Day, within a few months, the Lord spoke to a woman and said, Cindy's at home. I was working at NASA at JPL go and get her, she's at home right now, she's not at work, and you take her to Michael, and if she resists, you make sure she goes. That's literally what she said, because I would have resisted, and I did. So I'm sitting in my living room, Debbie comes down, like, what are you doing here? She's like, don't worry about it, come to coffee with me, I'm sick. No, just come. Okay, we were in a class at Lake Avenue together, so we talked about our class, I'm like, I'm a bit sick. She's like, come meet Michael. I'm like, no, I'm going to get him sick. He's leaving. He's leaving. Just come. So anyhow, I went. That day, Michael prayed for me, and he saw a picture of all these people around me, and I was trying to get to Jesus, and he said to me, can you come be part of our church? And I said, I was crying like water all over me. My snot was all out of me. I was the ugliest person you've ever seen. All this awful. And I said, I have a one-year commitment. And he said, but if they release you, then you're released. I'm like, true. The next day, our main leader, I was worship leading, I never spoke to her in my life. She came and she said to me, I feel your spiritual needs are not being met here. Would you like, you know? And I said, yes, they're not. Could I be free to go? And that's how I came to this church. That's how I came. All of it, that's why I tell my girls. They kind of believe me. They kind of don't. Why you go after God. And my love what Michael says, you know what? You run as hard as you can after God. Whoever is next to you still running, that's the person to marry. Praise God. So there we go. You sell your field. That's my treasure story. We all need to have treasure stories in the field of Ja'ar. But now let's move to verse 11, and we're going to see everything change now. We're going to focus on God at this point. So here it is. The Lord has sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forevermore. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever here this is god talking here i will dwell for i have desired it i will abundantly bless her provision i'm going to stop right here i love that word abundantly i'm going to stop right there okay so bear with me one second i need one other definition in order to talk about god cuz he's just too much it's too much and um, so that's the bubble chamber so the bumble chamber is the way especially in particle physics in the beginning you can see invisible things, invisible particles, powerful particles, 24 gigaelectron electron volts, you know, big numbers of energy, but they're invisible. So they superheat a liquid, and they put, um, it's like, and, and they put a magnetic field in it, that doesn't matter. But anyhow, they shoot those electro- electrically charged um, particles through, and you can't see the particles, but Daniel's gonna show a picture, there they are. You can't see the particles, but I'll tell you what you're seeing. The particles touch the gas, which is in our three dimensions, and ionize it to make bubbles. This is, in some ways, a picture of our lives. So if you go from this, we live in a bubble life. We live in a bubble life, okay? All of this, the particle of God that started everything, he comes in, he touches your life, and you're like, ooh, what was that? And something happens, and a miracle happens for you. That's a bubble. Or, so I'm going to give you the other kind of bubble. So those kinds of bubbles, good. There's other kinds of bubbles. There's other things happening in the spiritual realm, right? There's other things, but we're just talking about God. Or, and this is the better part, the particle comes through, and like Mary, he goes into you, and he changes you. And he gives you walls of salvation, and you never go back again. You never go back again, because you're turning to the temple at that point. That's what the walls of salvation are for, to get you over to Jesus. So, we live in a bubble world. Everything we have, my home in some ways I can talk of, like a bubble. God did a miracle. We didn't have the money. We had like $2,000, and we had to, um, this is so funny to me, I was like, I was still at JPL at the time, so like they trusted me so much. I had given away all my life savings, because God told me to, for a junior high minister. But I had no money left when we got married. Michael, for six months, they didn't give him a salary before we got married. We're like, here we are, God. Here we are. Let's start a church. But anyhow, we mortgaged our little Honda Accord. That's so hilarious to me. But then you know the story. God brought in, miraculously, the down payment, and within six months, um, the housing market took off within six months. This is a thing God does. So that's a particle coming by saying, hey, get a house now. What? You're crazy, God. You're absolutely crazy. No, do it. You know what? There were We had a couple, four couples in a small group. We told them, I don't know. We think this one is God. We don't usually do this. No financial advice from us. But this one, yes. Three of them got houses. I don't think they'd have houses today if they didn't get it back then. That's what happened. So, this let's go back to the verses then. God is answering David's desire. He's not turning away, verse 10, from the face of the anointed. He said, I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. Now, this is not just sons and daughters. This is spiritual fruit. We all want spiritual fruit. We want people whose lives we touch because that's why we're here. We're here because there are people that are dying, and they live in bubble lives, and they don't know the real word of God, the power of God, and we know what happens. They are no more. They are no more. And so that's why we're here, and to love God and enjoy him forever. Here's the thing that I think is a problem, though. So if your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, verse 13 for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. Do you know what the definition of for is? It is a preposition. It's used to indicate the object, the aim, or the purpose of activity. God has activity going on. It has a purpose. It's used to indicate a destination. God has a destination. But what's happening a lot of times is we don't know that God's destination is so much better than our bubble lives. God has plans for you. I wish I could tell you right now what they were. There are some of you right now that God is doing a healing in your marriage or he wants to do it. There are some of you right now that you so longed for good partnership. You so longed to build with people, but you keep hitting that place where it just stops and you can't do it anymore. God wants to do that. But to get to that place, we need God to dwell in us, in the temple in us. So here's what the culture is doing. Culture's saying more and more, no God, no, 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 no. Bubbles. So imagine the bubbles on here. Take God out. And in your mind, you begin to let that happen. In reality, it's not really going, but in your mind. You begin to let God leave your decisions. You make choices of money and choices of time that go to God or do not. And so I'm here to say today that um, the Lord is, can I just ask something? Is that time correct? I'm myself out. Is that time correct? Yes, good. Thank you. So we really don't want the dwelling place of God, I want to say. We really don't want it. I honestly, we have fallen desires. Unless God does a work for us, most of us come. We want to get our family together. We want our children to be safe. We want our money to be enough to retire. And these are the equations that the world has given to us. And I believe in some of these equations, but I just believe in something higher than than it. I'm believing there's a God that speaks into the equations. I think the average child is now $1 to $2 million to have a child. Well, who wants to have children when you hear that? Culture's doing everything it can to take out what family is meant to be. Because God said families are to be the blessings to the nations. They're going to see miracles in your children and whatnot. And so we really have a hard time trusting God. And we just want our bubbles. We really want God sometimes to leave us alone. You know? So when we pray sometimes... We're praying for the bubbles, but I love it because that's good, because it sets us on the right trajectory, because where do the bubbles come from? That's why we, we do it, but you notice in daily prayer, a lot of times, we try to go deeper. Like, who are you, God? Will you fill our lives? Would you do that immense, immeasurable thing, that monumental thing in my life? Would you change our church so it doesn't look the same anymore? Would you change me so I don't look the same anymore? So in some ways, we say to God a lot of times, God, I'm okay with the bubbles. Or else, you will touch that part of me that really doesn't want great things. I want my son on the throne, but when God gets a hold of our life, the covenant doesn't just look like our little family. It involves churches. It involves God bringing us people. It involves all these decisions that we need to make Lord, is this you? We say to God, really deep in our hearts, it's easy for us to think, God, give me only what I can control. We get into a very puny, meaningless 2D life. We may want a bigger bubble, so we begin to pray for a bigger bubble. I want a bigger house. Give me a bigger house, and God gives a bigger house. "Ah, Yay, and then we maybe forget, God did that for me. What was the desire I was really after when I asked him for that? So maybe that's a good stopping point. When we ask God for something, I think it's always a good check. What's my desire in this? What's the deeper thing in the temple, in the dwelling place where God is still? You can murder somebody to get their bubbles. You can manipulate bubbles. This is a You can war for the bubbles. That's all the... Principalities and powers are there coming up, telling you, hey, this bubble's so worth it. Fight them to the death for it. I was involved in some inheritance things. And I like what one lawyer said. You put one quarter on a table for some people, they will fight over that quarter. But there was a point um, where God told me, get rid of all the lawyers. I did, I shared about this. Um, But there was a point where my daughter shared a word and that day I knew we were going to take whatever was, was offered to us. Now, they admitted that there might be more. That was part of the issue, as is you're supposed to, like, you know, share what's going on. But the Lord said, it'll be enough. And it was just before they left Egypt. You don't want to take, when you're leaving Egypt, you don't want to take too much with you. Or you may be stuck in the wrong place at the wrong time. You can only carry so much, each of us. So let's just go back to what God will do, and it's so much bigger. Verse 14, this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There I will make the horn of David grow. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. So here's the blessings that come that are larger than our little house, larger than we can control. One, I will abundantly bless her. He's going to bless the dwelling place. Wherever your dwelling place is, it's only just beginning. Whatever you have, you make your dwelling place, you are going to find, just like David did in Obed-Edom, blessing will come to that place where your dwelling place is. So put it in your marriage. So put it in your house. Put it with your children. Two, I will satisfy her needy with bread. There's a way that we would love to get rid of the homeless population um, problem in, in LA and the world. But you know what? This is the way. And the way is that we need to help people to put the dwelling place back in their lives. And then, you know what? They're going to be sharing bread with others. May we all be able to share bread with others. Three, she will have priests clothed with salvation, the beautiful garments. So we are a kingdom of priests. And God wants to give you a salvation garment. When you walk out of this place, I want to tell you, you are a priest. You, it's good to reckon yourself so. So you're always looking for people that God is doing a work in. And you share that salvation that you have. You share what God does in your dwelling place. And we share our stories at that point. She will have godly ones with joy. Amen. Have more joy in our, in, in our lives, in our church. Um, number five, the one who prepares a place We'll have a horn, which is a sign of power and strength. Now, that seems to be really important to, to all of us. We power dress. We talk in a certain way. We really want the horn, like our strength, like our way of being able to relate to people to come to, to work. And all those things are good, but if we're learning from God, I believe God is going to raise your horn and strength in a way that you've never seen raised before. We prayed that one time for Zeffie, and I remember the change in her swimming on that next meet was huge. We prayed for a horn of strength that came from the dwelling place. Um, number seven, um, he or she will have enemies, yes, but they will be clothed in shame. And you will have a crown that will shine. These are not Bubbles. They kind of sound like it. It's easy to kind of close our eyes and get tired of it. These are huge things that change our lives. But I would say, I've, I kind of thought it was really funny, I just noticed it this morning, in swimming, that's a really well-known term, eat my bubbles. So the whole idea is like, you're swimming, and you have so many bubbles, you're like kicking up a storm. Those 50 freers, man, they sound like horses going through on that 50-yard, 50 50-meter 50 um, race. So you say, eat my bubbles, you know? So I just love that there is a way in which we can look at what God's doing with bubbles, and hopefully we share with people, this is why, this is why I have this bubble. God did this bubble for me. So for us, you've heard so much of our girl swimming. For many years, how many years? Nine years or something, it spanned. It spanned all that time. And I will say that we saw all of that. My friend Myra is here because of that. So we saw clothes of salvation. She's one of the, such an encouragement to me. And, but we went through enemies together. Yeah, serious enemies. We're talking, we're talking like court stuff. We're talking being honest molestation stuff. We're talking God putting us in that right place at the right time. Because thank God Michael had written some things out that when the lawyers put it in the papers, hey, this thing is going on. If you know anything, would you send? we could send it right away because we had been warning and warning and warning. We were in swimming. Why? Because, well, our girls were kind of, we were laughing about it today, Lisa and I, couch potatoes. They were like couch potatoes. And then we had a horse. We didn't have it. We rented out a horse from some older people. And it was really inexpensive. I'm like, I love horses. Great. Michael said, no, 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 we can't do this. So we, they agreed. You get to keep this leased horse if you swim. And then we just walked into it and we didn't know it was God. We just checked it out a little bit. And then it began to happen. Their devotions that they do began to just begin to resonate with swimming. Oh my goodness. Michael showed a video. Zephi at the age of seven, she, um, it may be 10. I forget these ages. I didn't check it out. She was so sick with fever, but she wanted to go to this meet. We're like, there's no way. And you see her in her devotion book The promise of God. She's writing it down, this feverish girl. Now, as a mom, I'm like, whew, put the walls there. You're not going. But I do let, again, here's my bubbles. That's my bubble mom. I let God always take over my position as mother. Because he's her real mother, not me. He's the real one, her real father. And so, sure enough, she was healed. I think it was the next couple of days. And she went in, and it was an amazing meet. Like it was so amazing. They were like, "Hey, we need you on this. Um, this um, relay, and they won. Bubbles, just bubbles, but they're meaningful bubbles the world is telling us all the time. You don't matter, God doesn't matter. Life doesn't matter. Life matters so much. Share your bubbles. Share your bubbles. What God was God doing in your life? So Each of our girls was recruited to college. That is not why we did it. I'm just saying, you go for the dwelling place, you put it in your life, all of it will step forward. We could not have afforded college if that had not happened, and that's not why we did it. So when we see, what we see then is my own house, my own heart becomes his resting place. He can come and sit with me. He can say to me, hey, sit down. I want to talk to you. And we sit down. He can be fully God, and I can be fully me. I can admit that I have sinned. I can reckon that he died for me. And this works for all of time, too. Imagine this. How did Jesus um, pay an eternal death? Eternal death for every single person that has ever existed. Have you ever thought about that? That's crazy. Because you know what? He's not stuck here. He goes right through every one of our lives. He goes right through time. God goes through it all. We're dealing with a big God that does have big miracles. God has big miracles. Let the desire grow. But look what also he says. He talks about the covenant. If your sons will keep the covenant. And this is the thing that's also very difficult for us. Because bubbles are great. Covenant means, I like when Michael talks about this God is discipling me. I am moving forward. I am becoming stronger. I'm becoming more a part of his plan. I am seeing fears leave me. I am becoming more filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is what we want to be doing in our lives. We are moving in covenant because a covenant has a destination. More of God in us, more of you filled with God. That is God's destination. So, but let's just think: what happens if we don't follow the covenant? Well, it's it's serious. And we, we do pull out of the covenant at times, even in a given day. I can I can see I pull out of the covenant, but I'm really quick. Oh God, help me. Help me with that, Lord. Um what if you if they didn't keep the covenant. They would lose God. They gave up God. Then all the bubbles would start to go. I think God holds up the bubbles. I'm not sure, but I think He holds up the bubbles. So it's very serious when we leave the covenant because we have the God, the invisible particle God in us doing these things. He's holding up our lives, making it better and better. And then we're like, oh, I'm tired. Get me out of this. I want to go back to my old way. And if we do that over and over again, I, you can see it goes, it goes. So let's get, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, we're going to look at a place where that happened. And it's going to be the story of Nehemiah. I promise you, I'm only going to mention a few verses here. Um, he was a very intense person. Praise God. But let me just say, when the covenant is broken, God will often send a leader to us. So he sent Nehemiah. Um, Sons and daughters broke the covenant. They decided to go after bubbles. They left out God. They tried to pretend his presence meant nothing to them. They would rely on rote sacrifices. The place of stillness, though, in their heart couldn't be reached anymore. The treasure was gone. The treasure. What's the treasure in the field? It was the dwelling place. Do you know that place, Ephrathah and Ja'er? Do you know what that place became? David bought it. He literally bought that place. It became the city of David. From a child, he'd heard about it. When he became an adult, walking in the covenant of God, probably better than most people except Jesus, Um, he bought it. That became Jerusalem. This is where we're talking about Zion this is what God desired. God was leading him to it. Thank you, Jesus. So Nehemiah, David, Nehemiah's a cupbearer. David's a, what is he? Shepherd. Not well qualified, not study, study, study. We praise God for people who study because we need them too, but these two were not. So let's just look at Nehemiah 1.5. And I'm going to stop right now before we go into it and pray. Jesus, before we look at consequences of not having a dwelling place, we thank you for Falcon coming up, that we will hear the voice of God. We will hear the voice that has a destination for each one of us, that did not just set us out here as a life of a bubble to just wander. And I ask right now that you would still our hearts this week, would make a highway to the city of David, a highway to the dwelling place. And Lord God, would you let us hear your voice, let us hear a word, even as Psalm 132 is a word for us all today, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at Nehemiah. Um, what were his bubbles? Well, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed, and then favor began to come. God just came through. The king let him leave, and I just love that probably the king that let Nehemiah leave it was probably Esther's husband. But that's amazing. Do you know in Esther, do you know that God is never mentioned, the name God is never mentioned, but they included it in the canon. Why? Because you can see bubbles. You can see the Bubbles. She went in, and she was willing to let even her life be put on the line. And I want to say, we may all come to that place where we need to do that. I'm just going to go off a little bit right now. When I was a junior high minister, a high school minister in um, San Jose, Tony Evans came. I learned so much, not just about junior high, but about life. And he had us do something as leaders, thousands of kids. He said, these kids don't understand persecution. Life is fine. You know, they have gangs, drugs, all this, but they don't understand persecution. Your job, when they come in the door, is to pretend that we're in a place that we can't talk anymore, but we're able to meet one last time. I'm telling you God really moved because when you begin to really think about giving up your life because God's a dwelling place and that's where you're going everything becomes really clear at that point everything becomes really clear and these kids were da, 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 and then suddenly boom Holy Spirit was there and God did a deep work and the message went through really easily <laughs> praise God and I believe some of these lives were changed and saved. So Nehemiah 1:5 says So God was moving, and but he begins to pray. He begins to pray that, like I'm catching up to the invisible God prayer. I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant. And mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. I'm going to read this in because I'm using the wrong version today. (laughs) NASB. Let me read it differently. Um, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant and faithfulness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Can you keep going, Daniel? Okay, let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now. There's a dwelling place, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have committed against you. I and my father's house have sinned. I and my father's house have sinned. I just want to mention to you, George Barna has been doing statistics on the church, and um, churches are deteriorating, and I believe what I read is that in terms of churches that preach the gospel, you know, Jesus came, died for us. We reckon ourselves dead to him, and his dwelling place is in us. They are probably down to way under 100,000 um, <laughs> churches now, 100,000 churches now. and there's like 400 million people in the US. But what's interesting is this. Repeatedly, there's a study that Barna has done and also um, has come out of Harvard by a man, Jay Vanderweel. So, even though I would say we're kind of entering remnant times right now where people are leaving churches, listen to this because the covenant is preserved, Nehemiah says. Even though many people are leaving, um, Jay Vanderwill have examined the topic of human flourishing in depth: human flourishing. Typically, those studies approach human flourishing through the lens of relationships, vocation, finances and physical and mental well-being. Fascinatingly, research such as VanderWiel's repeatedly shows that individuals' lives individuals whose lives are grounded in faith and who maintain connection to an active church community are more likely to flourish in the other key dimensions of life. So I just want to encourage you. If you have somebody who has a need that repeatedly we know the church is the place. The church is not perfect. But you know what? We're in covenant. The church gets better. I say to Michael, I remember the toddler stages of the church. I think we're kind of in the, I don't know, upper teen stages, you know, like sometimes it's not the exact years, but you're like moving along. I think we're in the upper teen stages now. So we're like getting better at our covenant, Lord. But what hinders us from getting back to the covenant God often is we don't confess. And this may be partly why we can't feel our desires. Because confession shows us, ah, this is the place that got taken over. Somebody came, and they told you, do this to this person's bubble, and you did it, and then the enemy came in, and he took part of the real thing in you, the dwelling place in you that Jesus died for and is dying for. So I believe that if we get back to confession, we can probably get back to our desires. At least that's what happened afterwards for Nehemiah. So remember, the first thing they want to do is build the walls. What's the first wall? They call it walls of salvation. So the first thing they do is build the walls because the walls keep the enemy away from the tabernacle. We need walls, but the right kind of walls, but they help people keep getting to God. So we need those kind of salvation walls. Confessing quickly helps us work out our desperation for God and stay close to him. When we gather to begin to help protect the place God gave, our heart for God is renewed. And that's what was happening in Nehemiah. They were gathering to say, we want the dwelling place back again. You know, it's been quite a road for us with a retrofit and these walls up here. But I just love, because in Nehemiah, you get both things. You You get the walls, you know, that they're building, but then you get the interior stuff. So there's some problems going on. At one point, actually, yeah, at one point, actually, there were some fellow brethren that were willing that others' children would go into slavery in order to have more land, you know? So they were making business opportunity out of it. But I love that God deals with both. And I, it's amazing to me, 100th anniversary this year, why is it this year? This whole thing came together. It was God. We see the walls that were cracking apart. Yeah, Michael shared about that. We were worried about people walking down the sidewalk. But in there, in the school, we have a retrofit. We have a strengthening. My brothers and sisters, I think God wants to do a strengthening for us too. We're working on like a lot of our walls, I think. That's like more administrative stuff. But it's also... It has to be infused with God, so it's not just administrative stuff. But the inside places that need to be strengthened, we are supposed to help one another. That's where we may be strong, another person may be weak. We don't judge them. We're part of the community of God that's building the dwelling place. So we sure want them to build their part of the wall. Because if they don't, your wall might be affected. And so let's just look at this and um, just look at how God reveals a wall. Um, Nehemiah leads them. Let's look at Nehemiah 3. So the covenant was broken. The confession of sin happened. And now people want to build. I hope that happens for us. When when the Lord told me, I haven't shared this except from Michael. The Lord told me, Cindy, you get behind this building project. I knew at that point, oh, you got to be willing to live like you're dying for this. So I'm learning a lot about doctors. My daughter's in medical school, and they have, anybody who's medical here, there's something about your life is connected with the length of some biological thing. I don't know what it is. It starts with a T. T. Telomeres. Thank you. See it again? Teomeres. You know medical students? By the time they're gone and four years out of medical school, they're age 35. They may go in at age whatever they are, 24, 25. They're age 35. I knew that was going to happen to me. I knew that was swimming too. I knew. I knew that it takes something that God does, but then do you know what? There is a life that comes that is a higher life. So I submit my life to God. Sleepless nights. (laughs) We're waking up at two and three sometimes under what God is doing. That's the better life. So it's worth it. I want to encourage us. It's worth it. I'm not telling us to do mentally unwell things. I am saying the dwelling place of God, you find your sitting place, and then God tells you what to do, and that will bring life. So in verse... um, 1, chapter 3. Then Iliashib the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. That word, rise up, we see it in Psalm 132. It says that God, he arose. When you see the Lord at, after that verse 11, he arose. It means that he gathered up everything He had and he arose to the destination. That's what Elisha did. He rose up. The first one was a priest, and we should be the first ones. He gathered what he had and he rose up. He said, I don't know what's next. Now, what are priests good at? I think priests are good at making sacrifices. They're really good at, in those days, tending the flame in the presence of God, they're good at keeping the water in the basin. They're good at taking care of the temple. They're not good at building walls. They're not good. Einstein, amazing man. This guy would get lost all the time. Our church is in the, did he got lost all the time. Our church is in the background of one of the pictures taken where he's digging the hole for that school over there. And he did so much to change our culture and there's so much in what God did through him that has to be redeemed and brought back too. So, Elisha said, I don't know, but I'm going to just do it. Many of us may feel that, like, I just, I can't do this. I can't do this. When I was, I'll tell you one of my family history things, I'm about 10 to 12 years old. My parents thought it'd be really awesome for their kids to do these speaking contests. Oh, man. I never wanted to speak again after that. Never. It was painful. Some of us have very painful things. I mean, I'm mean, i going to tell you how painful it was. I can still smell. They made us eat before we had to speak. Can you imagine that? 10 to 12-year-olds and you have to like, do this. But I loved it. I'm happy I went through it. But I still remember it. But God had to heal me from it. Do you know... They then decide, I'm the eldest of eight, they then decide to start putting the others in, so number two came. But number two was too young to write her own speeches. So what do you think happened? Well, my mom wrote it for her. And I remember that. I'm like, what is going on here? Am I, this competition, am I like in competition with my mom? I'm like, what is this? You know, people, sometimes they don't think she's helping. I helped my youngest child out, too. No ill intent to my oldest child. But sometimes it has an effect on us. So we may be going into places that bring up old memories for us. I'm being here brings up old memories for me. But I say, God, all right, here we are. Let's do it together. And And Mary told me, praying this morning, that God was already leading me. So I'm like, okay, I'm just following. That's all I'm doing today. But look at this. Look what happens next. After Elishib, next to Elishib, oh, this cracks me up. Verse 2, the men of Jericho built. What? The men of Jericho? Where the walls fell down? The men of Jericho, you know how good those guys were at building walls? Because they had so many walls going down because every single, yeah. Jericho was 9,000 BC, way before all of this time we're talking about these guys were well-established, but God had sent the right people, and God will send us the right people. We don't need to worry about it. Can we do that? Can we allow somebody that maybe is not a priest like we are, or not like from Jericho like we are, will we let them build next to us, or will we go, I'm so jealous, that is such a great wall, There are some schools where people ruin each other's experiments, you know, in college. You know, that can happen. Galatians 5 warns the church. It warns us, hey, these things of the flesh, that's not you. That's not you. You are to love your brethren. You love them. You're not in competition with your brethren. You don't need to build the best wall. You just need to do your part of the wall. That's all you need to do. And if you do that together, you're going to have a dwelling place that's going to take you just to where you need to go and just where you want to go. Let me just look at verse 20. This is one that also gets me. So I love this one. See, and I need to use Daniel's version. Thank you, Daniel. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the doorway of the house of Elisha, the high priest. Wow, oh, that's so awesome. I want a zealous builder next to me, next to my house. Come to my house. You want to build something in my house? God tells you? Yeah. Actually, there's somebody in, in, in here that we're talking about. Like, I've got this land that is, I have no green thumb. Please help me. Help me just plant something. This person has a green thumb, so they're helping me. We can do that for one another. This is not our community. This is not. This is God's community. This is God who gives a vision. God who builds the wall. This is God's dwelling place. God desires it. God desires it for us. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I want to say that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So let God let your treasure be God's dwelling place. Whatever needs to be let go of, to let God be more of a dwelling place for you. So really, I think what Michael is starting out with is this, you take half an hour in the morning this week, half an hour to find your dwelling place, to find the place where God is already sitting there. He's not not moved. He's there waiting. The big God, not the the little two-dimensional God, the big God. So if we were to do that half an hour and just write down anything that comes from the Word of God, it just comes to our mind. Sometimes a scripture, just like a scripture, just write it down. Keep it somewhere. Bring it to Falcon. We can do that. We can build a, a dwelling place together. Amen. Amen. Jesus was really good at protecting the dwelling place. It's really good. Do you remember? So this is one of the ways that your walls can have holes in it. So after we build, or maybe even now as you're building, you see in your wall, I have a hole. Do you remember when Jesus fed the masses? And then after that, they said, go get them, make them king. This is the guy that's going to give us the money. Jesus saw they were gonna force him into kingship. So he slipped away. You have places in we we have places in our lives. They wanna force you into popularity. They want to force you to do things that God didn't tell you to do. And I do not want us to get myself to get in my head like, oh, do I do this? Do I not do this? No, we just keep moving. God is gonna be with us. As Mary says, Mary Dural, God leads the way. It's Mary Dural older sister in the Lord. So if we do that, um, we let God lead the way. There's a way that the dwelling place will be built for us. Let our treasure be built. The battles are coming, of course. I'm not going to go into any of those. That popularity that Jesus, when he slipped away, we may need to do that. We may need to just slip away from certain places because there's an invisible enemy as well. And he's also ionizing. He's also ionizing things in our lives. But we can pray because our God is greater. Greater is he that is in me that is He than he that is in the world. He's greater. So this is our call. With him, we are able to begin to build. We're able to arise, to gather up. Even though we feel weary, even though it's like, oh, my muscles, I haven't used these muscles holding those babies. I remember, I see that beautiful baby out there. I, my muscles are gone for holding babies now. I know those mom, dad muscles. We may feel we don't have it, but we arise and we give to God whatever we can. And Falcons coming up, there are volunteer opportunities. It may be intercession, whatever it is, ask the Lord. And along the way, let's prepare. This week, a dwelling place for him in our hearts. Okay? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We love that you're invisible, even though it's hard. (laughs) But Lord, help us, Holy Spirit, find the true desire in us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to locate the place where you desire to dwell. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be willing to buy the field. Help us to know what our next steps are. And we pray this week in Jesus' name that every person will have a wonderful time of sitting with you. That will meet you in the dwelling place that you desire. Even when our desire is not up to it, your desire is enough for the two of us. Your desire is enough for all of us. So let your desire begin to take us over. And we welcome you. We confess right now that we've let other things push you out. So we're asking right now, begin to push out those other things. Even now, push them out. Push out those desires for popularity. Push out the time that's over time on social media. Push out the time that's over time thinking about ourselves or our money. Push it out. Push it out. We welcome you. This is yours. You desire it. You're the king. Thank you for the covenant. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, to the covenant right now. Bring us deeper. If there's anyone here right now that you feel like, I've been going in and out of the walls of salvation. I kind of want to come into the city of God, but I'm kind of going in and out. In your heart right now, let's just pray together. And Lord, we just ask for those places where we leave your salvation. It was so precious and so expensive. Your life, eternal deaths for every one of us. We ask in Jesus' name that you would help us stay within the walls of salvation. We reckon ourselves dead to ourselves because your word, you tell us, we died with you. All of us sitting here right now, we all died with you. But Lord, let your resurrection life arise in us. Let it arise in us right now in Jesus' name. And for those of us, God, that need protection for that half hour, we plead the blood of Jesus over everybody's half hour daily. And we welcome you right now into our families, into our children's lives, and our church lives. In Jesus' name, amen.